Okay, Shalom Alechem, Erev Tov. Tonight, uh, the shiur is dedicated, Lilu Nishmat, uh, two people, one to the mother of uh, Farshid, Farzadeh, uh, Helen Choshidi. Uh, we wish her Nishmat and Gan Eden, Neshat Chayim Mimtzav, V'chok B'mim Chayim, V'chem Mokol B'lita V'yichus, V'yichmol V'yichem, Anefesh, Ruach Hushamah, Shanifteret, B'Shem Tov, Min HaOlam, Rivka, Bat Abraham, ומוניר, רוח אדוני תדחה בגן עדן, היא וכל בנות אצל שוכבות ומהביכה על האחרים הסליחות וכן ירצון ודומר אמן. As well as to the grandfather of Elke Weiss, a Shiviti member, יעקב בן אליעזר אלנאה, מרחם וכל בדיו ייחוס ויחמון ויחם הנפש ורוח חשמה, של הנפטר בשם טוב מן העולם, יעקב בן אליעזר ולאה, רוח אדוני תדחה בגן עדן, הוא וכל בני אצל שוכבים עמו, בכלל הרחמים והסליחות וכן ירצון ודומר אמן. Continuing on page 199 of the encyclopedia, and simultaneously we're looking at the PDF uh, on Sepharia. Let's start with the PDF on Sepharia. We ended off with a story that Rabban Gamliel was terminated from his position as Rosh Yeshiva, and Rabbi Eliezer, no, Rabbi Elazar was given his job. אמר רבן גמליאל, רבן גמליאל said to himself, הואיל והכי הבא, since this is the situation, the people are following רבי יהושע over me, אזיל ואפייסה לרבי יהושע, let me go and apologize to רבי יהושע, now we have read this Gemara together three times so far, we read it in רבי יהושע's life, once in רבן גמליאל's life, and now we're going to read it inside. כמעט הלוותה, when he arrives at the home of רבי יהושע, he saw that the walls of the house were black. Amarle, he tells him, From the walls of your house, it is obvious to me that you are a blacksmith. I never knew. I never knew you struggled so much for Panas, huh? Amarlo, he tells him, Woe to the generation, that you are its leader. That you have no clue as to how much Tamidei Chachamim suffer in Parnassah. You have no idea how they make a living and how they take care of themselves. What does Rabban Gamliel respond? You have no idea that Tamidei Chachamim should poverty. When I was in Ishima, so I knew that I would never be able to sit in Kola. I knew, not only financially, that I was not looking for someone to support me. I wasn't looking for that ever. I also knew that I wouldn't have the menuchat nefesh the tranquility of thought, to be married, have children, need to worry about a panasa and rent and bills and all the things that go into life, and also study rabbinic studies then. And so I jumped ship. I did it early, before I got married, which was very unusual at least in the world in which I was at that time. One of my chavutot, today he's okay, so you don't have to worry about him anymore. One of my chavutot, who's married, standing with me, every single day, he would eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. For lunch. Okay, interesting taste, but no variety ever. Once, it came up on conversation. Even on Shabbat, that's what he eats for dinner and lunch. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Bread is subsidized. Peanut butter and jelly he gets from a gemach. And that's what they live on. 
they live on peanut butter and jelly. They don't have food. They don't have vegetables. They don't have rice, meat, and chicken, and fish for sure not. Aniyut, it's real poverty. People that don't have anything. Now, today I told you he's successful. He he knew this was a period in his life. People that live around us, people that you know, who don't have what to eat. They pretend. They look a certain way, present a certain way. But I know. That sounds like hail. Well, they told me today that in Tijuana it was hailing, so I guess we got the hail too. Can someone do a chesed for me? Can you text my wife and tell her it's hailing outside? The kids are awake. They should go see it. Oh, my wife is here. Never mind. She's right here. You don't have to text her. Rabbanit, you're here. Never mind. It's hailing outside. Okay, if senior is awake, please let him know. Amar lo, Rabban Gamliel tells him, Na'aneti lecha, mecholi. Forgive me, please. Lo ashgach be. Rabbi Yoshua ignored him. Didn't give pay attention, just didn't answer. Okay, don't forgive me for myself. Forgive me for my family honor. Forgive me for my father's sake. Payes, he was appeased. Now the Gemara asks the question. There's a unique exchange between these two Chachamim. The Gemara says, Amaru, Man nezil Now that Rabbi Yoshua was no longer offended, and the reason why Rabban Gamliel was removed from his place of authority was because he had offended Rabbi Yoshua too much. Yes? So now, Rabban Gamliel should rightfully return to to leadership. Who is going to tell the rabbis? Amar lehu hahu koves. This launderer said to them, by the way, if you wish to study Agadah, you will bump into the launderer, the koves, many, many times. He always pops in in the most random occurrences. Do you remember where else we had a koves? If my memory doesn't fail me. Do you remember when they were threatening to tax the city and they said, if you tax us, we'll leave? And there was a launderer who stood behind. Remember the story? They'll do a little bit of chazal. Anna Zelna. Launderer said, I'll go. No problem. Meaning, they didn't want to go remove Rabbi Eliezer ben Azaliah. They weren't sure how to deal with this political situation that was happening in the Ben Midrash. The launderer said, don't worry, I'll go. Shalach lehu Rabbi Yoshua levei Midrashah. Rabbi Yoshua sends him to the Ben Midrash. <coughs> and he says, Man delavesh mada, yilbash mada. Uman delavesh mada, yemar leleman delavesh mada. Shalach madach v'ana elbasheh. The one who wears the uniform will continue wearing the uniform. And the one who did not wear the uniform will not say to the one who wears the uniform, remove your uniform and I will wear it. You know what happened here? Man de la Veshmada, the one who wears the uniform, meaning Rabban Gamliel, should keep his position. And the one who's currently occupying the position shouldn't tell the other one to leave. He should accept that 
that now it's his time to return. Yes, because he fought with Rabbi Yoshua. Yes. So now that him and Rabbi Yoshua made peace, they're saying he should be reinstated. reinstated. What did the Chachamim do? What did they do, Chachamim? How long was it? These are not like synchronous stories. Uh, I don't know the time between yeah, them. Amar lehu Rabbi Akiva l'Rabbanan. Rabbi Akiva tells the rabbis. Go lock the doors so that the servants of Rabban Gamliel, I mean those that are loyalists of Rabban Gamliel, don't come into the Bermidash and keep interfering here. I mean, what do they under, They get this message and they think that this is a plot of Rabban Gamliel to overthrow the position that was now given to Rabbi Nazar and get his throne back. Go lock the door. So that these Rabban Gamliel Hasidim don't come bother us. Amar Rabbi Yoshua, when Rabbi Yoshua heard what happened, he said, Mutav ve'ezil I think it might be best, says Rabbi Yoshua, if I go myself and tell them. He came and knocked on the door because the door was locked now. Amar yeah? they said, he tells them, Mazeh ben Mazeh Yazeh. The sprinkler, the son of the sprinkler, shall continue sprinkling. It's like a knock-knock joke or something here. But I mean, the one who used to sprinkle should continue sprinkling in the service of the Ben Mikdash because he's the son of that who's man who sprinkled. And someone who's not a sprinkler, nor is he the son of a sprinkler, he shouldn't tell the one who is the sprinkler that your water is cave water and your ashes are burnt ashes. This is an allusion to other teachings of the Chachamim. The water here has to be running water. It has to be spring water. And the ashes have to be the ashes of a paraduma, of a red heifer. You shouldn't tell the guy who really is the sprinkler, Rabban Gamliel, that his water isn't real and his ashes are fake. There, he's legitimately the one who's the sprinkler, the son of the sprinkler. And again, if you were studying this in Agadah, you would wonder why this particular expression? Why the one with the uniform and the one with the uniform? Why the sprinkler, the son of the sprinkler? Why these terms? Amar Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Rabbi Yoshua, nitpayasta? Rabbi Yoshua. Have you forgiven him? And have you become appeased? We only did this out of your honor. Tomorrow we will wake up together and we will go to his door and we will reinstate Rabban Gamliel as the head of the yeshiva. So, Rabbi Akiva realizes this is the real deal. It's time to bring Rabban Gamliel back. But now there remains... Another conundrum. What do we do with Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah? Now, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah went into this position knowing that. Knowing what? Very good. His wife already told him what's going to happen if they remove you from this position. And what did he tell them? Remember his answer? 
He said it's better to use an expensive glass once. If it breaks, at least you've got to use it once. Don't say I won't use an expensive thing because it might break. It's better you should use it and it would break, but at least you used it for a little bit. If they would put me as the nasib and for one day, I would be okay with that. <laughs> so what happens? Amri, they say in the Bet Midrash, what will we do? If we remove him from his position, we won't be able to do that. Because there is a halakha that says, We only increase holiness. We do not decrease holiness. This halakha applies in many places. For example, what is holier? Talit or Tefillin? Tefillin. Can you turn a Talit bag into a Tefillin bag? Can you turn a tefillin bag into a talit bag? No. One is holier than the other one. You don't demote things in levels of kedusha. That's connected to the halakha of the sidur in that one konish. This is the same with your tefillin, by the way. I see people, they keep all kinds of things in their tefillin bag. The bar mitzvahs, the candies they collect, all those things. Now, they put in their tefillin. Now, you can't put anything with your tefillin. Not even your sidur can go with your tefillin. Your tefillin goes with your tefillin. And if you put your tefillin in your talit bag, then your talit bag is not really a tefillin bag that also carries a talit. You have to be careful with the things that you do there. I try, when possible, to keep my tefillin bag on top of my talit bag, but sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes the zippers don't always match up, or whatever else it is. But just so you should know. Yeah, but these are... That halakha, I'm only bringing this as an example, not necessarily a, is this the actual rule of ma'alin b'kodesh ben mo'idin, but in general, we increase holiness, we don't decrease holiness. Right. Which one goes first, which one comes second? Yeah. It's true. Because there's a makhluk of the if you're opening your tefillin bag, but we're, we're going a different tangent here, but it's a good halakha to know. If you open your tefillin bag, and you stick your hand in to take out your tefillin, which tefillin are you supposed to put on first? The hand tefillin, and then the head tefillin. What happens if you take out the head tefillin first by accident? You're supposed to put the head tefillin on first, and then the hand tefillin. You don't skip over a mitzvah. And the Mekubalim get really complicated here because they need the, everything to happen in a very specific order. Then if you reverse orders, you're reversing worlds and all and the Ben Shechai therefore is very particular how you take your tefillin out, how you put it back in. But that's the halakha. You should be able to first reach into your tefillin bag and take out your... Same thing with your talit. You want to be able to reach your talit before you reach your tefillin. If you reach your tefillin first, then technically you would have to put them on before your talit. Things to know. So here... So we can't remove him. Because we only increase holiness, we don't decrease holiness. Nidrosh mar chadashabta, umar chadashabta. Maybe we'll let them rotate. One Shabbat and one Shabbat. One will be the Chacham one week, one will be the Chacham the next week. Ate lekanoe. They will end up being jealous of each other. In Israel there's a yeshiva that has two rashi yeshiva. It's a historic yeshiva. It's a historic yeshiva that has two Rashi yeshiva. And they pray there because it's an argument who's the next Rashi yeshiva. They've been fighting for many, many years. I'm not telling you the name of the yeshiva, only to protect the dignity of that yeshiva. But if you Google it, you'll find it. And they pray mincha, two separate minyanim in the same room at the same time, over screaming each other. They give classes in the same room at the same time, overpowering each other. 
Every once in a while, one of the students from this camp throws a yogurt at the other rabbi of the other camp. This one is screaming. They throw a chair at the rabbi from the other side of the bit of Midrash. Uh, this is one of those things that they're so busy learning Torah that that's why they're not able to serve in the Israeli army, for example. Um, so here they know that it would be... That was a sarcastic comment, by the way. <laughs> I see some people looking at me pretty seriously. Like... <laughs> uh, or they have me on mute, and that's why they're looking serious, because they're... <laughs> so... One. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's make Rabban Gamliel lecture three weeks, and Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah will lecture one week. Now, by the way, why that won't lead to jealousy? It's a fascinating question. That's what Mar said when he said, Shabbat shall me hayita. Whose Shabbat was it? Shall Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah hayita. When you see whose week was it, that's what it means, whose week was it. Meaning, was it Rabban Gamliel's week, or was it Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah's week? The Gemara has one last question. One final detail. I'm really afraid to read the sentence to you. Do you remember who started this whole balagan? There's that one student who came to ask the question to Rabbi Yoshua, is Arvit ob- obligatory or is it optional? And then he went to Rabban Gamliel and asked the same question, oh, but Rabbi Yoshua told me otherwise. And then they started that war and that's how this all began. Who was that student? That student was Rashbi. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. And when you read that sentence, you should realize there clearly is much more going on in the story than just a conversation about whether or not Arvit is obligatory or not. And I can only say that these Gemarot are best studied in an agadic realm. Now this story this story is told with different details in the Talmud Yerushalmi. Safaria has done a blessed thing recently. It's a very special thing that they've brought the entire translation of the English translation of the Talmud Yerushalmi is now available to you in Safaria. So whereas the Talmud Yerushalmi was a locked, sealed book, unless you had access to a translated version of the Talmud Yerushalmi, now it's all in English, and that's source 40. If you want to read the very, the variation of the story, as understood in the rabbis of the Talmud Yerushalmi, I highly recommend you take it. And perhaps if there was time, we would sit and compare and contrast the different uh, stories and why the details are as they are. Let's look again here in page 199 in the encyclopedia. I believe that I missed the source here. I was going to add a source here, and I see that it's not in my source sheet. Okay, if you're going to help me out here in Safariam, I want to read one last source to you. But first, encyclopedia. 
אלא נבעה מהכרת האחריות הגדולה שבעמדתו הרמב"ן. רבן גמליאל was not so particular as a leader because he was full of himself, because he was arrogant, but because he realized the magnitude, the responsibility on the shoulders of any leader. Leadership is a very big job. Let's look at here. If you uh, open up the Gemara and you find I can't believe it's not in my source. Open up the Talmud Bavli. Okay. You want to go Talmud? You're going to find Masechet Horayot. That's at the end of Nezikim. Horayot. And you want to scroll down. So you're on Horayot 10a, page 10a. And go to section 19 over there. Do you see that? Okay. 10a. Now we did this part already. Right? Did we do the ending about appointing the students as rabbis? I don't think so either. And it could be the reason why I didn't find it in the source sheet. Is it earlier in the source sheet? Halayot? So we had a famous story where Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua were sitting on the boat together. And Rabban Gamliel ran out of food. Rabbi Yoshua still had food. You recall this from one of the early classes. And at a certain point in time, Rabban Gamliel tells Rabbi Yoshua, You're so smart. How is it that you're so poor? Which was not a nice thing really to say. Uh, but we're now in section 21. Uh, 20. You're so wise, you have so much wisdom, and you still go around collecting on a ship? If you, I feel like we read this together. We did? We did this together? The ending of the story also? Did we do the ending of the story too? Basically, he says, go hire those two Tamil Khamin. Give them a job. And when he sends for them, they don't want to come because they think, hey, we don't want to look like we're rushing to get a job, a position of authority. And he sends them back. You think that I'm giving you a position of authority? I'm giving you a position of servitude. Being in a position of leadership doesn't serve you. You serve other people. And that's what you have to have in mind. And that's what Rabban Gamliel always had in mind when he was serving Am Yisrael. Let's do a little bit more. If you look on 199 in the encyclopedia... We continue the bottom right.
מלבד תוקפו בהנהגה הרוחנית, aside from his um, power and his spiritual leadership, הרבה לפעול גם לטובת העניינים המדיניים של האומה. He was also, as the Nasi, very involved in the political leadership of the Jewish people and looking out for their political welfare. הוא נסע לרומי עם רבי אלעזר בן עזריה. We find him traveling to Rome with רבי אלעזר בן עזריה, רבי יהושע ורבי עקיבא, להשתדל בביטור גזרה קשה שסיכנה את קיומו של העם כולו. We find him traveling to go save the Jewish people from a decree that threatened the entire Jewish people. Okay, there's a pretty fascinating story in Devarim Rabbah, but let's look here in Masachim HaKot on the source sheet. 41. They were traveling together. They And they heard the sound of the multitudes of Rome at a distance of 120 mil. They began to cry. Literally every story where the Chachamim are crying, Rabbi Akiva is laughing. Always. This is the theme. He tells them, They asked him, Why are you laughing? I'll tell you, First tell me, Why you're crying? They told him, These non-Jews that are bowing down to idols. They burn incense to idols. And they're living in calm and peace and security. These Romans are busy celebrating, having a good time. They're peaceful. No one's threatening them. And they worship idols. And we who worship the home of our God is burning in ashes. How can we not cry? He says, that's why I'm laughing. If that's what happens to those who violate Hashem's Torah, that they get rewarded this way, can you imagine what's going to be for those of us who listen to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? If that's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu rewards idol worshippers, can you imagine what He's going to do for us? But again, you find Rabbi Akiva, the ultimate optimist. And you find here, that Rabban Gamliel is constantly, he's on his way to Rome. On his way to Rome is like the American equivalent of being on the way to Washington, D.C. He's there for a reason. He's lobbying the Roman government on behalf of the Jewish people. The story from Devarim Rabbah is super long. I'm going to leave it for you to read on your own if you get a chance. Pam, back in the encyclopedia at the bottom of the page, once, Mitzanuhu, we find him, He goes to ask permission from the leadership in Syria, from the governor. Let's read this in the source sheet, Mishnah Eduyot, source 43. Hem he'idu. Let's scroll down to the bottom. Umaseh b'Rabban Gamliel, there was a story about Rabban Gamliel. Shehalach litol reshut mehegmon b'Surya. That he went to get special authorization for something. 
from the governor of Syria. So there's some reason he had to go there to get permission. Veshahan and it took him too much time to come back. And they did a ibu shana, meaning they did what we do this year. They added an extra month to the year. Yes? Tonight, what do they say? That if Rabban Gamliel comes back and he approves, then our, our ibu will work. And when he came back, he approved. And that year was a leap year. Meaning, they, I don't know how you talk, they, they leaped a year. I don't know how you say that. Like they turned it into a leap year on condition. On condition that when Rabban Gamliel gets back from his political journey, that he will be able to approve or not approve. So you find Rabban Gamliel is doing things, not just as his head of the yeshiva, the head of the Sanhedrin, he's also doing things as the head of the government of the Jewish people. You talk about separation of church and state, it doesn't really exist in Am Yisrael. In certain contexts, there may be separations. But here, the same one who's leading Am Yisrael is also the one who's deciding the halachot, Ibu Shana. And one last teaching here. And we'll end with this one. There's a lot of controversy in the yeshiva world, so to speak. You know, it's very presumptuous when you call yourself the yeshiva world. Because what is the rest of the world then? Our yeshivot are what? They're fake yeshivot? You're the yeshiva? We're what yeshiva? Kind of yeshiva? But people know how to manipulate language. You know, for many, many years, chasidut meant something. When you say about a certain, this person is a chassid. What is a chassid? Chassid is like the loftiest level of observance of Torah, of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Today, you can be a person so connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but a child who's born next door to you, he's a chassid and you're just a regular Jew. Because he was born to a family that wears dead animals on their head, and you weren't. So the term chassidut was appropriated and given a new meaning to. The same with Musal, the Musal movement. That Musar movement took a word that we always knew what Musar meant, and now Musar became a very specific type of study, a very specific type of uh, approach to Judaism, and then it became the Musar movement. The? What do you mean the? The capital T. Who gave you the capital T? How did that happen? It's an appropriation of words. So in the Yeshiva world, I'm intending to the Haredi Yeshiva world, there's a lot of conversation about whether it's permissible to study secular studies or not study secular studies. You find this is not an old, it's not a new uh, war, it's an old war. Let's hear Masech Tzotam. The Mishnah says that it is forbidden for a person to teach his child Greek. This was during the war with the Greeks. Uh, the war with Titus. Our said, you cannot learn Greek. Our rabbis taught us. When the kings of the Hashemunaim went into civil war with each other. And if you recall, we discussed this back then, we learned about the Hashemunaim, that the Hashemunaim also fought among each other. They weren't just a united front against their enemies. Haya Hurkanos mi Bachutz. Hurkanos was on the outside. Varistoblus mi Bifnim. And Aristoblus, he was on the inside. Meaning, one sieged the other. Bechoyom vayom, hayum shalshalin dinarim bechupam malinahem timidim. Every day, they would lower down dinars in a box, and those on the outside would send up money 
Uh, we send up animals to bring them korbanot to the bedim nash. You have to understand what's happening here. We spoke about this then. I'll remind you, refresh your memory. You have two groups of chashmanaim, kohanim, that are at war with each other. One is occupying the city of Jerusalem, holding the bedim nash hostage. And the other is holding them hostage by surrounding Yerushalayim. So, we talk... We talk about, no, those are by, by, the, by the Sadducees. You're thinking of something else. Here you have two groups of Kohanim, both fighting over Jerusalem. One is currently holding Jerusalem, another one is besieging Jerusalem. We talk about the Romans besieging Jerusalem, the Greeks besieging Jerusalem. We don't talk about the Hashmanaim when they besieged Jerusalem. And so they knew one thing, that they were religious enough that they understood you can't have the Ben Mikdash stop operating because we're fighting with each other. So we'll lower down money to pay you, and you will send us up an animal to sacrifice it in the Ben Mikdash. Meaning, we're going to kill each other. But for right now, we need help. Let's make a Michan Avit Minyan together so we can uh, pray together. It's a ludicrous thing to be so religious that civil war is okay to you. But sir, stopping the service of the Ben Mikdash, that's unthinkable. But this is a very common theme, even in contemporary Judaism. Source 45. Hayasham Zakenechad. There was a certain elder there. Shayam Akir that he was familiar with Greek wisdom. Now here our rabbis are using a little bit of a different word. It's not Greek language, but Greek wisdom. Suffice it to say that we would have a lot of time, if we had a lot of time, we would spend discussing what exactly is Greek wisdom. Why do our rabbis um, care so much about Greek wisdom? I once spoke about it in our Kuzari class back in the day. So this man, he was an elder, he understood Greek wisdom. And what did he do? He spoke to them in Greek. They told him. He told them. So long as the Kohanim inside, the Chashmonaim are able to sacrifice in the Ben Mikdash, they will never fall to you. The next day, they sent them down their dinar, their money, and they sent up a pig instead. Imagine. A pig. Yerushalayim, Once he reached the middle of the wall, he stuck his hooves inside of the wall, in the land of Israel, shuddered 400 parsaot. Now, when it says Eretz shuddered, it doesn't mean there was an earthquake here. It means the influence of what just happened impacted all across Eretz This wasn't just a little fight now between brothers. At that moment, the Chachamim said, Cursed is the person who raises pigs. And cursed is the one who teaches his son Greek wisdom. Meaning this old man who spoke to them in Greek and whatever significance there is to that in the story here. Uh, our Chachamim outlawed the study of Greek wisdom. In that year we learned of a story. That the barley, the Omer, that came as a communal offering came on the 16th of Nisan from Gagot Tzarifim and the two loaves that were offered in Shavuot were brought from the valley of En Sochel. Any? Is that true? V'amar Ribi, Ribi Yudan Asi says, Be'eretz Yisrael Lashon Sursi, that in the land of Israel, 
Should they speak Susi? Susi is a language. Here he says Syriac. Lama, why should they speak that? In Israel, under Greek occupation, they should either be speaking Hebrew or Greek. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef said, In Babel, why should they speak Lashon Arami Lama? They should either speak Hebrew or Persian. Now, I don't know if the Farsi then is the same Farsi we have now. The Gemara says there's a difference. Greek language is one thing, and Greek wisdom is another. Meaning, the Chachamim prohibited Greek wisdom, but not the Greek language. So you see in the Mishnah here, they're talking about speaking Greek. How could it be that you should speak Greek if you're not allowed to speak Greek? No, speaking Greek and wisdom of the Greek is not the same thing. And the Gemara now asks a question. mi asira. Who said the Greek wisdom is prohibited from studying? Rav Yudah Amar Shemuel Mishum Rabban Shimon Megamliel. My dichtiv eni ololal nafshi mikol benot iri elif yered. What does it mean that my eye affected my soul because of all the daughters of my city? Elif yeredim hayu bevet Abba. There were one thousand children in my father's household, meaning in the home of the prince. Chamesh maot lemdu Torah. 500 of them studied Torah. And 500 of them studied the Greek wisdom. All that were left of them after the revolt of Bar Kokhba, or me here in Eretz Israel, and the son of my father's brother who lives in Asia, which is probably Asia. What do you see from the story here? In the household of Rabban Gamliel, they studied two types of things. What did they study? Torah and Greek wisdom. So you're allowed to study Greek wisdom or not? You have to make up your mind. We keep finding instances. So before you said, that which they were speaking, that's Greek language. It's not the same as Greek wisdom. But here, the story says that they studied Greek wisdom. So can you study Greek wisdom or you can't study Greek wisdom? The Gemara answers in source 50. Shani, it's different. Shebet Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Gamliel's house had different rules. That they were close to the monarchy, to the royalty. The Tanya, like we learned, We find that even though it's forbidden to cut your hair in the Komi style, what is a Komi style? I have no idea. When you go to the barber, they have all those different types of ways to cut your hair. One of those ways is prohibited. Why? Because it's the way that the Moraim do it. Uh, the Chayha Emorim. It's the way that Emorim do it. But they allowed Avtodos Ben Reuven to do it because he was so close to the government that he had to fit in with them and look a certain way to be presentable. The same thing is true with Rabban Gamliel. Because he was close to the government, they allowed him and his family to study Greek wisdom so that they would know how to communicate properly on behalf of the Jewish people with the Greek government. This leads to a fascinating conversation, Halakha. Uh, in Ashkenaz especially, there were what they call the court Jews. These court Jews had all kinds of special dispensations almost, it feels like, from Ashkenazi authorities of things they were allowed to do or not allowed to do in order to work as uh, lobbyers in the royal palace. And that led to all kinds of halakhic conversations that happened then, it meant that these certain people 
spoke languages, they didn't teach in yeshivot, they had the ability to dress a certain way, or perhaps shave their beards a certain way, or whatever might have needed to be done in order to lobby on behalf of the Jewish community among the non-Jewish kings. You had similar halachot being addressed here in the United States, not so long ago, those who understand what I'm talking about, of Jewish family members of a non-Jewish uh, government official, and all kinds of bending of the rules of Shabbat, for example, or other such things, as possible, I'm not telling you yes or no, just that these conversations came up again, that certain Jews who have to deal with the non-Jewish government might have a little bit of leeway that other Jews might not. I'm not telling you yes or no, rather, that this is a topic of conversation. So right now, we find that Ban Gamliel is not only, has not only made up with Rabbi Yoshua, has come to an agreement with Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah about how they're going to split their time in the yeshiva, and also we find that he spends much of his life traveling from Rome to Syria, speaking with all kinds of different nations and communities in order to take care of the Jewish people. There are certain people that their role in life is very broad. They have a lot of things they need to do for Am Yisrael. I have a friend in uh, London. I'm honored to call him a friend. Rabbi Dweck, you should live and be well. Rabbi Dweck is the chief Sephardic rabbi of uh, the United Kingdom. Officially, I think it's the chief rabbi of the Spanish and Portuguese community, but let's uh, say what he is. And in that office, he's no longer just a rabbi. He was never just a rabbi. He was always a special type of chum. But he has a lot that he has to do in front of the government, in front of different dignitaries, in front of the leaders of other religious organizations, and so on and so forth. Those of you who remember El Havdil, Rabbi Sachs, and what he had to do in terms of representing Judaism in all kinds of places, you better believe that he bore the brunt from a lot of people that didn't appreciate that he was so worldly, or he was so involved, or he was so, uh, all kinds of other things that they considered a crime. But these type of people, and for example, I don't believe that I'm cut out for such a job. I've thought about it a lot. To eloquently be able to describe Judaism to leaders of government or to other religions. I tried my hand not so long ago here at this uh, uh, session with the governor and the district attorney. and I felt like a fish out of water. There's certain people that Kadosh Baruch Hu gave them the wisdom, the ability to be able to be ambassadors of Am Yisrael to the world. And those people who do that job bear a tremendous responsibility on their shoulders to represent us properly, to know how to say the right things, to influence policies of government and nations and religions toward Am Yisrael. There's a famous Chacham in Israel, Rabbi Shari Yashuv HaKohen. Those of you might remember him, he passed away not too long ago. Rabbi Shari Yashuv HaKohen was the son of Rabbi David HaNazir. Rabbi David the Nazir, he was a student of Rav Kook, who was really a Nazir. That's a famous uh, story about him. And Rabbi Shari Yashuv HaKohen was the first rabbi of the Israeli chief rabbinate who ever met with the Pope in Rome. And he's the one who really mapped out how does the relationship between the office of the chief rabbi and the office of the Pope in Rome, and let's pretend there are no similarities whatsoever, uh, how do they relate to each other? What, what should be the relationship with each other? There are people that HaKadosh Baruch Hu blessed them with those talents. And like Rabban Gamliel, they know that those talents were given to them not for their own betterment, but to help Am Yisrael, to forward and advance things in Am Yisrael. And it's a very tricky it's a very tricky business to be in, a very hard world to be in. That I don't have any jealousy whatsoever, hard enough keeping my ducks in a row with our kihla. But I'll tell you this, that Rabban Gamliel was that leader, that when you look at him, he covered all the bases for Am Yisrael. In the Bet Milash, out of the Bet Milash, inside of Israel, outside of Israel, with Jewish people, with non-Jewish people. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, God willing, next week.